What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 142 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to don't be a jerk. Don't really answer your question first. I'm not answering your question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talk about beer. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardvegans.com. You can always reach us by emailing thebeardvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we've been eating, do some follow-up, go over the news, and then ask the question, is it okay for companies to ban meat? Talking about that meat ban. <laughs> Talking about that meat ban. Andy, I feel like we get a, a double dose of sexy Andy voice right now because we have both <laughs> morning voice Andy and slightly sick Andy. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be real raspy for those of you with good sound systems. <laughs> okay, Paul, before we before we talk about food, just one one more time to announce this, and that's that this coming weekend, I'll be speaking at the Colorado Veg Fest in Broomfield, Colorado, which is right outside of Denver. The whole fest is July 28th and 29th. I'll be speaking specifically on Sunday, July 29th at 2.20 p.m. with the the ever-wonderful J.L. Fields and Ginny Messina. We're talking all about food and body shaming and how that affects the vegan movement. So if you're in the area within an eight-hour driving range, (laughs) come on out. Broomfield, Colorado, home of the original broom. Good joke, Paul. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 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 sad that I can't come and see you talk, Andy, because I wish that I wish that I could. Are you mostly sad because you now know how good the food in Denver is and mm-hmm. you can't partake in it? Go to I, I'll go to Watercourse while you go to City O City, and then we can Skype each other, <laughs> Facetime each other. I'll drop you off at Watercourse and just shake my head. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food, Andy, what have you been eating? I got a story for you, Paul. I love a good story. So, Paul, you recently experienced the Alamo Draft Test for the first time. It was glorious. And it's, it's as I've mentioned on the show, I think in the past, it's definitely my favorite movie theater chain overall. They, For those that are not familiar, they have locations. They started in Texas. They've been branching out. They're slowly spreading all over the place, but I feel like mostly in, in bigger cities. But... They are a theater chain where, one, my favorite aspect is the strong stance against talking and texting. Mm-hmm. They, they, and they make it real easy to stitch on other people in case they are <laughs> doing that and get them kicked out real quick. But they also have a full menu and you order in the theater. Now, the system for ordering this food is if you get there before the movie starts, they have the service going around. They will actually talk to you. But once the previews have started, you order by writing down what you want on a piece of paper and sort of sticking it up in the railing that's on the table that's in front of you and the servers come by. They quickly look at it with a a dim light that's sort of always underneath the table and then they, they nod and then they run off and then you get your food 15, 20 minutes later. I went to go see Three Identical Strangers at the Draft House, which... Great film, what I saw of it, Paul. Uh-oh. And <laughs> so 
So one of the reasons that I chose to go to the Draft House in, as opposed to a, a slightly closer theater in New York City is that they recently added a separate vegan menu. And it's shocking to me that it took them so long because Brooklyn is obviously quite the vegan mecca. It took them a very long time to actually add this separate vegan menu, even though places like Austin have had it for a long time now. And the the things that were on the menu, you know, they had the buffalo cauliflower, they had two quinoa bowls, they had an avocado toast, like very standard vegan options, I guess. But they also had a Beyond Burger that had vegan ranch and caramelized onions, and it just seemed like it was going to be really good. And I was really excited to try this and to support them getting these vegan options. So I, I ordered the the Beyond Meat Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Your knowing laugh, Paula. Paula's not heard the story. Yet. I haven't. I'm shaking in anticipation, though. So, and I'm curious what you would do in this situation. So. The burger eventually comes. I'm wrapped up in the film. The burger comes. They put it down. It's on this kind of like ciabatta type bun. Not my favorite type of bun, but hey, it'll work. Take a couple bites of the fries with the extra extra ketchup that I ordered (laughs) along with it. And and then I go take a bite of the burger. And I go, hmm, it's pretty tasty, but it's definitely not the Beyond Burger. I take another bite. I'm like, there's chunks of corn and like carrots and stuff in here. I'm pretty sure this is just a regular veggie burger. Yeah. Which huge downgrade from the Beyond Burger in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so I kind of hold the burger under the light that's under the table and I'm dissecting a little bit. And then I, then I take out the menu to see if there's a veggie burger on the menu. Because as far as I can remember there in the past, they didn't have a veggie burger. And I couldn't find one on the menu. And so then I'm, I'm sitting there with this conundrum, Paul, of this thing's okay. I, I, I'm hungry. I'm very hungry right now. And I could just eat this burger and it would be fine. But it's not what I ordered. And also I was really like activist-minded. I was thinking I'm really sad if anybody else orders the Beyond Burger and this is what they get. Like, what if it's their first time ever trying it and they go, oh, this is like literally every veggie burger I've ever had before. Yeah. Or maybe they've never had a veggie burger and they're trying it and they're going, what's the big deal about this thing? Like, it's just kind of like this mushy bean and vegetable patty. Are you on the edge of your seat wondering what I did, Paul? I am, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um. so I like debated for a little while. I had a couple more fries, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up because this is this aggression will not stand." And I write on the note, I say, "I ordered the Beyond Meat. I underlined Beyond Meat Burger, and it appears you've given me a regular veggie patty." And the, uh, like 20 minutes later, the server comes by, and I'm just like thinking about it the whole time. I'm totally <laughs> drawn out of the movie, and the server takes it, and they look at the note. And then, and you know, you're, you're in the middle of a theater. One, you don't want to disturb the patrons around you, especially at the draft house where it's their thing that you're not going to get disturbed. Yeah. But the server's like, that was the Beyond Meat Burger. We don't have a regular vegetable, like, veggie burger on our menu. And I was like, no, it's definitely not the Beyond Burger. And she's like, are you thinking of the Impossible Burger? I was like... No, I've had that, and I know what the Beyond Burger is. And, you know, we're, like, whispering aggressively. Like, it's, it was a very friendly interaction. It wasn't like we were either person was being mean, but, like, you're trying to, like, get your point across while this movie is happening. You're both crouched down underneath the table. Yeah. And, and I was like, did you add, like, carrots and, and, and corn to the, the Beyond Burger? Like, I was thinking that was a possibility, but 
it still didn't taste like the Beyond Burger, so I knew that wasn't the case. And when I said that, the server was like, well, I'll just take it off your tab and I'll take it back. And I was like, okay. And then they, they left. It happened like really quickly. And I was thinking, well, I'm still hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll eat that. If that's all you have, I will eat that thing. But they took it away and I was like, do I order another thing? Like, yeah. oh, this is just ridiculous. Whatever. I'll just get some food afterwards. But I'm going to have to go talk to someone in the kitchen and figure out what's going on. Like, what was I served and why was I not given the Beyond Burger? And then like 15 minutes later, my server comes back and says, you were right. Uh, we ran out of the Beyond Burger. So we replaced it with this veggie patty in the meantime. And I didn't get the memo. And I was like, okay. And so the server was asking, I can comp you something else off the veggie menu if you want. We have the buffalo cauliflower and the avocado toast. And I was like, you can just bring me back that dish that I had started. Like, it's there's no reason. And she's like, we already threw it out. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> it's like, well... I guess I'll take another one of those veggie burgers. And they brought me another one of those veggie burgers. And it was fine, but it was not the Beyond Burger. And when the server dropped it off, different, like just a drop-off guy, the ser- the person said, Beyond Meat Burger and put it down. And yeah. I was just like... <sighs> and then you had another 30-minute interaction with, with that I, server. I jumped over the seat and like, grabbed them and like shook them. And I was like, it's not the Beyond Burger. Anyway, <laughs> it made me really sad because of everything I said before. I was thinking... I bet for a lot of people, this is their first time trying the Beyond Burger and the no indication from the server that that's not what I was going to get. Even after all of that, the other server was still telling me it was Beyond Meat Burger and it definitely like part of me was like, ooh, did they find one? And that's what I'm getting now. Like, but I don't know. It was, it's all very frustrating, Paul. So I'm putting you on blast, Alamo Draft House. It, it, I think I'm sure this crossed your mind too, Andy, but I would I think I would have been concerned that because I thought what you were going to say was that it was a like cow's flesh burger it was like a real burger you know yeah the the second worst option yeah and that's what i would have been worried about and even afterwards i would have been worried that it it was a non-vegan veggie burger you know because there are plenty of those yeah well i said to the server i was like well as long as that veggie burger is vegan i'll just take another one of those and i think the server may have been kind of like perplexed like thinking that i just didn't like the burger or something you know yeah but it was mostly that I didn't get what I asked for and no one told me that I wasn't going to get what I asked for. And Andy Tabar always gets what he asks for. <laughs> <laughs> so it was such a bummer. And I'm hoping it's just because it's been so popular there that they just sold out and they had to make this quick replacement. But huge bummer. Yeah, th- that definitely seems like because I don't think it. I, I mean, it definitely doesn't seem like seem like it was the server's fault if if she wasn't informed about this. But that seems like something that the staff should be informed about. Obviously, I I was actually astounded at just like the complexity of the operation that they run. You know, it's like there are a dozen theaters. Each theater houses like a hundred people. Each person is constantly, you know, like writing notes. It's, I feel like it's a, it's quite the operation that they have. So I guess it makes sense if something flies under the radar like that, but it seems like something for maybe like allergy reasons or just, you know, transparency reasons. It seems like something that should have been notified to the staff so that they can notify people. If you like order something, you know, you expect that you're going to get the thing that you're ordered, especially because on that menu, it probably says like beyond burger, like with the little trademark symbol afterwards. So it's like, you're expecting to get that product. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, that's the name of it's not like 
whatever burger and then the description says beyond meat patty it's the name of the burger is beyond meat burger or vegan cheeseburger or whatever it is so yeah so definitely a bummer i'm glad i i hope it's just because it was super popular but i don't know it's just like one of those things where i i, I was like ah. They need to know that people are upset that they're not getting the thing that they've ordered. And I don't know. Is this like a bummer? And obviously you feel bad because you're hassling the server, even if you're doing it nicely and you're disturbing the people around you. And and I feel like I'm missing plot points that are happening in this very, very wonderful documentary that I saw. So, yeah. I I, I thought when you told when you said at the beginning of the story, you were like, Oh, from what I saw of the movie, I thought this story was going to end with you storming out or something like that. <laughs> Just projectile vomiting all over everyone and being carried out. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Now that I've gotten that out of my system, I needed to talk to someone that could relate to my struggles. <laughs> Paul, what went in that beautiful mouth of yours? So, Andy, as the listeners may know, and as we're about to inform them, we had the Atlantic City Vegan Food Festival that was this past weekend. And lots of good food, lots of good stuff. We'll actually, in the live episode, we actually discuss one of the, the, the great items of food that we got at the food festival. But something that we didn't mention was the limited edition Louisville Jamaican jerk jerky. <laughs> right? Jamaican jerk jerky? Is that, jerk is that the problem? Jerk jerky? So we've ta- I feel like we've talked about the Louisville jerky Many a time on this podcast before, I I would venture to say that it is my favorite vegan jerky that is out there. And something that I feel like is cool that they do is they release these limited edition flavors, which is cool because, you know, you feel special having them. And at the bottom of the packaging, it says, like, this is bag 10,150 out of 20,000 or something like that. So you're like, ooh, I got this limited edition jerky merch. But eBay gold. Yeah. Wait, what? eBay gold. eBay gold. <laughs> Definitely. And what did you think I said? You ba- you bagel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bagel. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like both this flavor and there was this was it like General Sow's tofu flavor or like General Sow's jerky flavor? I think that's what it was. This other limited edition flavor they had. They're both like so good and I'm just I just want them all the time. And, and this this Jamaican jerk flavor was, I thought it was great. I actually saw it at, in New Haven, there's like a, a cool food co-op-y market called Edge of the Woods. And I saw that they had it there. That place also serves a lot of, they have a lot of vegan stuff. And so I was surprised to see it there because I thought that this might be something where it's like, you got to be in the know to get to know which suppliers have it, but it's cool that it's out there. If you get a chance to get it while it's still there, I say go for it. It was phenomenal. Yeah, I had one. I still have a whole packet courtesy of V Marks the Shop, which I'm really excited to dive into. I had one little piece of yours, and I thought it was quite good. I believe the they they have made a General Sow's flavor, but I think you're probably thinking of the sweet and sour, which was oh. more widely available. I think the General was just a like jerky of the month flavor. I believe you are correct, Andy. I am thinking of that sweet and sour. Yeah, which was so good, and I'm sad that it's gone. Right? Um, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying, Andy. So, Paul, you know, I think before we talk about the, the festival briefly, I think we should give a shout-out to all the, the amazing beers that came out. Yeah. 
So we ran into a bunch of beardos, I thought, which was nice. We ran into Danny. Dana. Jules. Al. Jenna. Kathy. Audrey. Britt. And Jane. Yeah. So thank you all for coming out. You never know. We never know how these live things are going to go. And it's, uh, it's always encouraging to know that there are people that actually <laughs> are intentionally coming to see us <laughs> perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes us feel a little more at ease while we're doing so. And even if they weren't intentionally coming to see us, or even if that's not the only reason, thanks for stopping by and saying hi. Yeah, definitely. And spoiler alert, there were some Bearded Vegans t-shirts for sale at this event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they'll be for sale online in the near future. Yeah, I think that they came out pretty darn good. Yeah, I'm very, very happy with them. So, <laughs> For the people that voted on which design to use, I'm just going to say I bet about half of you are going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but the other half going to be real stoked. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty much divided right down the line. So, all right, Paul, because we won't be able to talk about this during the live episode, which we're currently planning to release next week, <laughs> if if all goes according to plan and the file comes back and everything's good. But I, I, I think it's safe to say that ultimately we both had a really good time doing this. Yeah. But it was not without its <laughs> road bumps. Mm-hmm. Definitely had some technical difficulties in, in the road, pre-show. Is road bumps a word? Road bumps. Just bumps in the road. <laughs> just bumps in the road. Yeah, it's one of those things where it seemed like the hotel, the venue where this was happening, switched a lot of things around on the organizers last minute. And we, I, I, I personally was like carting chairs back and forth to the location where the, the podcast was going to be and sweated my butt off. And then, Paul, you went over to to get things set up and we realized there was no electricity in the room where we were supposed to be and they had to call an electrician. And so we got started a little bit late, but I, I think that everyone stuck around great crowd, very responsive. I thought it was one of the better Q and A's that we've had. Yeah. And I, Lauren Ornelas was our special guest and I thought Lauren was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about corporate campaigns and it sort of gave Lauren a chance to challenge us on our assumptions that we should just make new vegans and that's like the thing we should focus on. So I would say that that conversation has changed my mind and opened me up more to the importance of these sort of more single issue corporate campaigns. Andy is a solely single issue campaign vegan now, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Find him at your local SeaWorld or horse carriage uh rally yeah that's it i can only care about one thing at a time now paul (laughs) i'll say this for all the faults that this hotel had they also had (laughs) 54 hole glow in the dark mini golf which was incredible i know the only reason you're bringing that up paul so you can gloat about your one stroke victory (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. came back from a six stroke deficit to beat andy by a single stroke with an asterisk because technically we only made it through 18 of the 54 holes. That's true. You had, you had plenty of, of time to, if, if we could have done all the holes, you would have had plenty of time to make up that one stroke. Paul, some, someday when we have a whole day to spare, we should try and go back there and do all 54 holes because hell of a deal for like 11 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it was great. It was great. I enjoyed beating Andy. <laughs> I enjoyed losing to Paul. <laughs> So, shall we move on into our follow-up section? 
Yeah, let's let's do this. We got a great email from Jennifer B, who emailed us in, and we responded to Jennifer's email on our last mailbag two episodes ago. And Jennifer was asking us about vigils and sort of these slaughterhouse vigils, these transport truck vigils where activists will go and, and bear witness to what's happening to these animals as they're pulling up to the slaughterhouse. And often they will approach the truck and give these animals water. And Jennifer was wondering, is this not increasing the trauma that the animals are going through? Because the only human interaction they've had so far is with humans treating them really horribly. So even if we are well-intentioned, will they know that, that we're here to show them some small amount of kindness in their final moments? And, you know, what was our overall thoughts on these vigils? And I think that we agreed with that point. We, th- we thought it was something we had not really thought of before, even though we had been, you know, critical of these vigils, but ultimately like, eh, what's the harm? Yeah. I I think we found that, yeah, that is a really good point that, you know, when you have in some of these cases up to like a hundred or more activists swarming these trucks, I bet it would be a pretty traumatic thing for those animals. So uh, Jennifer sent us a really lovely email to follow up with, with their experience. So Jennifer said, thank you so much for thoughtfully answering my question about truck stop vigils in the mailbag episode. I have kind of an interesting update after I sent in my question. I shared a video from one of these events that my local animal save group posted on Facebook, and it was the only vegan post I have ever shared that has actually had some interaction from my completely non-vegan friend list. I only occasionally share this kind of stuff, so I try to pick and choose wisely and not overwhelm my audience on Facebook, but even then, not a single person ever gives those posts a like or anything. Until now. The video was on the first 100-degree day here, and it was shot from afar of several trucks of pigs lined up outside and with minimal talking or visuals of the activists. In some parts of the video, you could hear the pigs loudly expressing their discomfort, and it was heartbreaking. I got several sad face reactions to my post from non-vegan friends and family. Perhaps, like you mentioned on the podcast, this is the only reason these events are helpful, to get the footage to expose exactly what is going on. As long as they are doing it from afar and not further traumatizing the animals, then it seems it can be impactful. Yeah, and as Jennifer kind of was alluding to there, we we were talking about, Paul, I think you always bring this up. Who are these vigils for? If, if they're in an area where there's not a lot of foot traffic, what is kind of even the point of it, aside from showing some momentary kindness to these animals? And I think we posited in that episode that, Maybe the footage that's being shown of them is what's powerful, but are are non-vegans watching this footage? Is it mostly just getting shared from vegan to vegan and everyone sort of patting themselves on the back? And here we have Jennifer giving us an example of that not necessarily being the case. Yeah, which is good, which is very enlightening, I think. Yeah, definitely. So maybe that type of footage rides the line because it's not graphic, but it's sad. You know, it reminds me of that footage that starts off unity and it's i'm sure seen in many other places where it's the cow that's waiting in the the chute to go to slaughter and mm-hmm. they're trying to turn around and it's just some of the most heartbreaking footage but it's not gory it's not graphic so maybe that type of footage is the the thing that is appropriate to post on your facebook because there's not a ton of blood but people are still able to get exactly how horrendous the situation is yeah and and even if this isn't like like Jennifer said, 
getting like it's getting like sad face reactions and and stuff like that like it might not be the thing that turns people vegan but i think it might make them it might push them further along that spectrum to eventually getting to to a more compassionate lifestyle maybe indeed you just reminded me do you remember when we, we when we watched unity and there wasn't any sound at first so we had to watch that scene twice because they restarted the movie yeah, and it was way less impactful with whatever music they chose to put over it. <laughs> I don't remember that. I just remember being like, oh, God, we got to watch this this heartbreaking scene again. Yeah, yeah. How could I forget that experience, Paul? And if people <laughs> want to hear us talking about it for the first time, episode three, we did our review of Unity. I have not listened to any of those really early episodes in a while. I can imagine the quality is not as good. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to revisit that at some point. All right. Shall we move on to the news, Paul? Let's do it. Andy, we got a lot of of great listeners submitted submitted either feedback or follow-ups or just news stories. So thanks to everyone that's that's throwing these news stories at us, making our lives just a little bit easier. Yeah. (laughs) So this first bit of news is coming to us from Mary, who, who sent us a message on Facebook and sent us a message from this restaurant called Fig and Pharaoh, and they had posted an update about the mayor of Minneapolis who made this this plant-based proclamation. So the restaurant posted the proclamation, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it. It's not super long, but we'll obviously post a link to it. Proclamation. Whereas, following the United States' withdrawal from the Paris Agreement, cities are increasingly turning towards climate change solutions that are driven by citizens, and, whereas, concern for the environment is paramount for the residents of Minneapolis and for the safety of our communities, and, and then it goes on and lists, like, alternative ways to, like, we need to find alternative ways to decrease, like, environmental damage, and eating more plant-based can help that. And then so it lists a few more things. And at the end, it says, now, therefore, I, Jacob Frey, mayor of the city of Minneapolis, do hereby proclaim on July 16th, 2018, we all make an effort to eat plant-based food and choose plant-based products in furtherance of our environmental goals and celebrate our ongoing commitment to exceed the standards put forth in the Paris Agreement by doing our part right here in Minneapolis. I love the the excessive use of commas in that last statement. <laughs> now, comma, therefore, comma, I, comma, Jacob Frey, comma, mayor of city of Minneapolis, comma. But yeah, so that's that's basically the the extent of it. I Andy, when I proposed that we talk about this, I could sense a little hesitation from you. <laughs> I think that this is actually a pretty cool thing. I, I know it's not it's nothing concrete. It's nothing like this the, the mayor did not ban meat, which we will talk about later. But I, I think still putting forward this idea, I think it's a good it's a start. It's it's certainly better than nothing. Obviously that maybe that doesn't maybe that doesn't <laughs> bar, count. Maybe that doesn't count for much. But I don't know. I think that it's it's a cool it it's cool to it's cool. It's hip. It's rad that he's acknowledging these sorts of things. Like I'm sure that he could either be doing nothing or he could, you know, be promoting meat and other stuff, as I'm sure a lot of other like like a lot of other mayors are probably like, oh, come check me out at this barbecue or this cookout or something like that, where I'm going to serve up hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's kind of cool. I get that it's not the best, but it's something. 
Yeah, I'd be curious to know if this mayor is vegan or vegetarian or just kind of working on reducing. But yeah, it it is sort of this vague thing that's just being put out into the universe and it's not really taking any solid concrete steps. But I, I do agree with you, Paul, that essentially it's better that this is happening than not. It's getting it on public record. It's getting it from public officials. And I think hopefully it helps contribute to a climate of more and more people feeling open to this. And I guess feeling like it's not some weird fringe thing that it's the mayor of this town thinks everyone should stop eating meat or eating less meat. And uh, yeah, I I think overall I have nothing bad to say about this. (laughs) Like this, this almost seems like, I would hope the type of thing that could then lead to like what they did in Asheville with brother wolf animal rescue, where they put on that like Asheville vegan week or whatever it was called, which, you know, like something like that would certainly have to be backed by some public official in Asheville. So like this sort of thing, it makes me hope that, you know, even if it's just, even if it's just reducing, because you're right, I don't know. I don't know this mayor. I don't know if, if, he's vegan or not but even if it's just talking about reducing the stuff i i I think that it is important that he is saying something about this and he's like you said he's like setting this tone or he's setting the the climate of minneapolis yeah so hope i don't know hopefully more mayors follow suit and if you live in minneapolis you know like we don't know much about this mayor but i imagine if if he's someone that is well liked by the people. I'm sure he would have more influence on, on people's habits than if he's not liked by people very much. So if you live in Minneapolis, let us know if this, if this means anything to you or if you see anything coming out of this. Yeah. I feel like Minneapolis has really been emerging as this, this vegan Mecca in the, the Midwest. Is that the Midwest? Who knows? And you're, you're the one that you're the one that's the, the traveling guru. Yeah, but, you know, of course, obviously, the herbivorous butcher is there, and I feel like that kind of really puts them on the map. But, you know, Jay Selby's and a bunch, there was just a ton of different options when I was out there that I was not able to explore all of them. So, yeah, good good on them. <laughs> good on them. So, Andy, we got one more piece of news for today, and I think we're going to have a, a little bit of a lengthier discussion on this one. kind of comes in two parts, but let me let me have it. All right, so this is coming to us from Plant-Based News on July 17th. Commuters blast vegan posters for, quote, forcing opinions on others. (laughs) So I think this is going to tie in really nicely with our main discussion, but let me read a little bit from this article. Commuters have blasted a series of pro-vegan posters (laughs) in Toronto subway stations saying they force an opinion on them. The posters by PETA were installed on July 9th and are due to run until the end of the month. They feature cows, pigs, chickens, or lobsters, along with the slogan, I'm me, not meat. See the individual. The images have been badly received by some, with one commuter telling local news outlet CBC Toronto, I think it's forcing other people's opinions on others. I don't agree with it. Another added, it should be a personal choice and not advertised. I'm not vegan, and I personally love meat. Blasted. (laughs) Really dunking on Peter right there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Paul, sensational headline aside, who knows how widespread the hatred of these posters are? Because personally, I feel like as far as pro-vegan posters go, these are the most light. (laughs) They're very – it's pictures of – 
happy animals from the few that I saw. Right. And I'm not, I'm me, I'm not me. See the individual. Like that's not very aggressive at all. But anyway, (laughs) what, what do you, what are you thinking about this story right now? Yeah. That's what, that's what I was going to say about it is that I'm, I'm so surprised that the like such a negative reaction because like the only way that they could have made this lighter is if they were like, hey, sorry, sorry to bother you, train goer. But like maybe maybe try considering vegan sometime. Like it's so not to me, at least it's so non-aggressive and not in your face that that I was surprised to, to, to see this article say that it they were getting such negative feedback from it and then additionally i was also surprised that later on in the article it says that the toronto transport commission who's who you have to you know go through in order to put up an ad in their in the subway stations they initially rejected this and then PETA had to threaten to sue them uh, and, and they were like we're not breaking any guidelines with with these posters and and it's like we should be allowed to do this and then once they threatened to sue the the ttc was like like oh oh shoot sorry like cool that's fine you could put these up but yeah it just it makes me wonder like i don't know it's it's so not aggressive that i feel like it for many people that are having this negative reaction to it for many non-vegans i feel like it must be like the internal conflict that they're having and that's what's causing them to be to get so angry about this thing because i don't know it like because you know sometimes like i'll see I'll see like a, an, an anti-abortion poster billboard or something like that. And, and, you know, they, they also range from being very aggressive to very not aggressive. And even when I see like a not aggressive one, I'll be like, well, that sucks. And like, that's misinformation and that's, they're spinning this blah, blah, blah. But I'm not like, I don't get like shaken to the core by it whereas if i see this like really gross aggressive one i'm like that's disgusting and like i'm angry about this and to me this falls in like the very non-aggressive category where i'm I'm surprised that people are getting this aggressively upset about it yeah i mean paul this just kind of has me wondering is it possible in general to force an opinion on someone that's (laughs) that's true andy i i i I guess if the wording said you have to be vegan or something like that, I feel like that's kind of it's. But it's, that's it's, not even forcing anyone. That's just sort of saying, like, I think that it, everyone should not harm animals. Like, like when I think about forcing, I think about some sort of physical or like emotional coercion, something that leaves someone with no other choice. And when people are like vegans are are forcing their opinions down our throats and it's like what because you had a conversation and they factually told you that animals have to die when you eat meat or something and people say you're forcing your opinion down my throat. I don't know. It's people like jump to this thing and just think that if someone brings up another opinion or a fact that it's all of a sudden forcing it upon them. I I do see what you're saying. And and I agree that like physically forcing someone to to go vegan is a different than like v- how an ad might verbally force someone. But I do think that I do think that there are ways and we don't have I guess we don't have to argue about the, the semantics of this. But I do think that there are ways that they could have said this like saying you have to go vegan, which I think is different than saying I think that you should go vegan because it's like when you when you put it out there like it's someone doesn't have like someone does not have the option to not do this thing because again that's just not true like it, it, even though 
I and you, Andy, are, are wholeheartedly agree that we would hope that everyone does go vegan. The, the fact is that no one, no one is actually being forced to. So it's, it's just infactual to say, like, you have to go vegan. So I feel like that would be the quote, forcing someone, forcing your opinion on someone. Yeah, and and some people might say what's happening with this meat ban is people being forced, but we'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> I think that it's also incredibly ironic that people are upset that they feel like this is forcing an opinion on them, yet consuming animals means you're forcing other animals. Like your opinion that it's okay for you to just consume them because it's going to taste good for 10 minutes is certainly forcing something on them that literally costs these animals their lives. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I, I don't think if you asked any of the those people that responded, if you if you pointed them towards a a Chick-fil-A billboard, eat more chicken or a dairy billboard like happy cows, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they the, I would guess they wouldn't say like, oh, this is forcing this is forcing dairy upon this is forcing meat upon people. You know, they would just because it's like the it's the status quo. They wouldn't see that as forcing a choice on someone. Whereas this incredibly not aggressive message, they're like, Oh, stop forcing. Like, I hate it. I hate these pushy vegans. Speaking of Chick-fil-A, can I read this tweet from Rob fee about Chick-fil-A that I I loved it. Hilarious. I loved it. (laughs) What were Chick-fil-A's other mascot ideas before landing on an illiterate cow begging for his life? It's so true, though. (laughs) I mean, I always say that, that essentially it's this really morbid advertising campaign that has animals begging for their lives and asking you to horribly kill another species of animal. Yeah. In order to spare their lives. It's just it's not even like don't eat us. It's like eat these other animals instead. It definitely seems like something that in the like the the boardroom, it was someone that looked very similar to the monopoly money guy (laughs) that came up with this. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things where if anyone stops to think about what they're actually doing, it's just incredibly morbid. Also, can I say something that bothers me, Paul, now that we're on, we're in tangent city right here. (laughs) Tell them why you're mad, Andy. I hate the, the internet meme culture of whenever there's, words that are being attributed to an animal like like the i can has cheeseburger thing for like a cat mm-hmm. it just feels really demeaning that it feels like oh look at them they don't know grammar and they don't know spelling and i don't something about it just always really bothers me like it's really <laughs> demeaning to the animals or like the what's the dog that says like like very cute much adorable or something like that yeah, I don't know. That's that's like to me that feels like a little bit different than like cows that can't spell and you know, uh, it's just for so, something about it just always seems really like patronizing to me. I get that, but at the same time, you would probably people probably do that with baby memes too. Yeah, well, I feel like that's how babies would talk. But I don't know. It's it's <laughs> I feel like it's I feel like it's a part of our overall system of demeaning animals and, and acting like they're less intelligent than us or that they have the intelligence that they do have is like not meaningful to us and like all that really matters is can they form a correct sentence structure and i feel like it just contributes to our overall culture of otherizing and demeaning animals i'll i'll submit to that andy all right (laughs) (laughs) so did you have anything else to say about this particular story before we move on to the second part i don't think so 
All right. So this one was sent in to us from Elizabeth on Facebook. This is actually from June. Took us a hot minute to get to. <laughs> so this was very similar to like the, the PETA article that we just talked about. This was a pro-vegan billboard that was put up in a very busy intersection in Rhode Island all throughout the month of June. And Elizabeth sent us a link to a like a local ABC News station covering this this billboard and we'll include the link to that hopefully it'll still be up when we we put it there but basically it was a it was a pro-vegan billboard it said all mothers grieve ditch dairy go vegan and underneath the 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 text there was a picture of a like a distressed looking cow on the left and then on the right there was a picture of what appears to be a dead calf that's in a wheelbarrow and underneath that it says Rhode Island vegan awareness and so this, like, I think this is in stark juxtaposition to the PETA posters because those were very, you know, non-aggressive. And, and I would say, not the, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but I would say that these are much more, you know, like getting to the point of, of what's going on in, what, like what's going on behind closed doors at these slaughterhouses and, and not just slaughterhouses, I guess, but also dairy industries. So... This one was super aggressive. The news reporter at the beginning of the story says, I do want to warn you what you're about to see may be disturbing. And it is not the most it. They certainly could have found more graphic images than the one that they chose, but it's not pleasant to look at. And throughout the news article or throughout the news report, they interviewed a few different drivers passing by the intersection. And for the most part, they, they had either neutral or negative comments to say one of them said i think it's really disgusting it's a disgrace and it's not going to make anyone go vegan they need to take that down and another person said i think they could choose other options for it it's in bad taste and then one person did say i think it has a good message it makes you care about animals and i think this person said how it makes it made them feel like empathetic because of the the mother aspect of it so definitely more in your face definitely getting appearing to get the same like spectrum of reactions that the one in Toronto that the PETA poster in Toronto got but Andy what do you what do you think about this billboard it's almost as if society at large will find any reason to ignore the vegan message regardless of how it's presented to them mhm <laughs> I, no, I don't think i don't think that that means that we should ignore research or whatever intuition about what might help us create messages that will be best received by the general public. But I think it's important to recognize that there's always going to be people that say, that's not how you advocate for animals. And you just want to say, okay, what do I have to say to get you to go vegan then? You know, and they're never going to be like, oh, if you said this, then I would go vegan. There's, there's no magic words for anyone. Obviously we talk about this show on the show so much that certain types of advocacy are better than others. Certain messaging is, is more effective than others. And for, for most people, not every message is going to reach everyone kind of thing. But the fact that we're really one of them is the most low key, non-threatening, just unaggressive. And the other one, I mean, it's aggressive. It's not, I don't know. It's not even aggressive. It's not like, fuck you if you're not vegan or something, <laughs> but it's essentially like laying out a fact that all mothers grieve, ditch dairy, go vegan. And so, yeah, like the imagery that comes with it is more aggressive, but I don't know. I don't, I, I wouldn't even file that under super aggressive. It's just like more down the scale of aggressiveness. 
Yeah, I, I think I will say this about the the PETA one. You know, it's like even though I think they could have been a little bit more aggressive, I think certain different types of messages will reach different people. So I'm not necessarily upset that like they didn't make that one more aggressive because they didn't. And I'm, the reason I'm not upset about it is because they didn't reduce the ask. I don't believe like I don't believe that they were saying that the message they were trying to get was reduce the amount of meat that you're eating. It was just saying like, I, I don't think they used the words go vegan on it. No, but even at that, I, I think that was the overall message they were trying to get across. So that's why I'm okay with that one. This one though, I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy at that's a weird that's a weird word to say about this, but I'm happy at the like the messaging and the images that they chose to use. I like you, Andy. I think that it could have been more extreme and it wasn't, but it's still graphic enough to like rattle people and to make it so that people will remember this this poster. It will I believe it will start conversations now whether or not these conversations are going to just be with amongst non-vegans and maybe not get to a productive place or constructive place i still think it's going to start conversations i still think it's going to stick in people's brains it says go vegan on there so it's it's clear what they give you the solution they're saying if you're upset about this here is the solution so i'm i'm actually quite a fan of the specific messaging of what this billboard was yeah, I, I have to say I agree with you. I, I like the wording of both of them. I think they both get across good points, but I do appreciate the dairy one especially. Yeah. We got anything else to say about this, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the last thing that I'll say is that it does have me thinking about this whole idea. Like people weren't necessarily using it in their reactions on this one, but the, the other one we're saying it's forcing an opinion on someone. And I feel like maybe forcing an action on someone is forcing, but forcing an opinion means like forcing someone to change their mind on something. At least that's how I think about forcing an opinion. You know, I think people like to use that phrase more broadly. Like it's your opinion that plastic straws are bad for the environment. And now you banning them is forcing that opinion upon me kind of thing. But I don't know. I feel like people are are quick to jump to this idea that an opinion is being forced upon them rather than actually engaging in the ideas that are presented to them. Yeah. Yeah. And and in terms of this one, this one reaction from one of the persons that was like, I think it's really disgusting. It's a disgrace and it's not going to make anyone go vegan. They need to take it that down. Like, obviously, there was not a, a broader interview with this individual, but. I'm assuming this person is finding it disgusting because they are disturbed by what's on the billboard, but it's almost, I don't know. That just seems like such a hypocritical reaction to be like, how, how dare you expose me to this thing that I'm participating in? Like you need to take this down so that I don't have to be confronted with the system that I am a part of type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like you could get them to take it down by destroying the dairy industry and there'd be no need for this billboard to exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, are, are you more upset about the billboard existing or about the cruelty involved with dairy production? Yeah, like the the inconvenience it causes you to be exposed to this image like once or twice a day. Like, oh, this like how dare they expose me to this? Yeah, probably feel like we're real vegan on today's show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're like going in hard as far as we go on just like doubling down. (laughs) 
maybe i don't know maybe we've changed since atlantic atlantic city changed us yeah, lord has changed us <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think with that said let's get on into the main discussion but before we do that we have to thank some amazing 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 folks who have decided to kick a couple bucks our way every month in the form of a Patreon donation. If you are not familiar with Patreon is, it's just a way for people to support content creators that they love, that they get some sort of value out of, and they want to support them on an ongoing basis. So people can say, I want to give you a dollar a month. I want to give you five bucks, 10 bucks a month, whatever. And uh, people have been doing that. So thank you very much to Aaron. And Liz R. Yeah, for for joining us on that that Patreon journey. And if you want to get in on this action, if you want to help out the podcast to become more sustainable and more accessible, just go to thebeardedvegans.com slash beardo, which is spelled B-E-A-R-D-O. And if you go there, you get access. No matter what amount you pledge, you'll get access to all of our bonus episodes, including the Jurassic World analysis that we just did. And Paul, we are so close to our second goal, which means we're going to pump out a second bonus episode in whatever month that that happens. So Mm -hmm. I think right now there's six or seven bonus apps and, and two smaller, shorter bonus apps up there. So a lot to check out and people can get early access. You can get buttons and stickers and soon-to-be t-shirts and all that good stuff. So beardvegans.com slash beardo. All right, with that being said, let's get into this main discussion, Andy. Do you want to take us through this? Sure. So again, this was suggested by a number of people, and the, the ones that I could remember that suggested it were Giselle and Janet. So, so thank you to everyone for sending this in. seems a lot of people are kind of debating the merits of this. And so we got an article... Coming to us from CNN, this this whole story is making very big mainstream news waves, and which is pretty interesting because there's a lot of different opinions from various <laughs> news outlets about this whole thing. And so this article from July 13th on CNN says, WeWork is banning meat. And so what WeWork is, it's essentially a co-working space, and it's a, a place where people can go and you know, have their office space and access to amenities. But their whole thing is that they're, they're really big on building community. And I was actually just watching this video about the, we live where they're expanding to actually having living spaces for people. Hmm. So let me read a little bit from we work. We work is going meat free and taking every one of its employees with it. The startup cited environmental concerns in announcing its immediate company wide ban on meat. In an email sent Thursday, WeWork co-founder Miguel McKelvey told his 6,000 or so employees that the company would no longer serve meat at employee events or reimburse them for meals that include red meat, poultry, and pork. might notice something is uh, missing, mm. missing from that list right there. We'll talk about that shortly. McKelvey notes in his email that WeWork can, quote, save an estimated 16.7 billion gallons of water, 445.1 million pounds of CO2 emissions and over 15 million animals by 2023 by eliminating meat at our events, which is pretty astounding. I think that one company could be responsible for 15 million animals death over the course of mm-hmm. just five years. Right. Yeah. The policy takes effect immediately, which means employees won't see burgers, hot dogs, or other carnivorous options at the company's upcoming annual summer camp gathering. In just the three days we are together, we estimate we can save more than 10,000 animals, he wrote in the email. The team has worked hard to create a sustainable, plentiful, and delicious menu. 
So, Paul, this mm-hmm. is a pretty interesting move. I think, you know, last week we talked about the, the issue of plastic straws and plastic straw bans. And um, since we recorded that, Seattle has banned plastic straws. Starbucks and American Airlines have announced that they're not doing plastic straws. And, you know, of course, we did talk about the issues of accessibility and and how that affects, you know, people that do actually rely on the straws. So just want to briefly mention that. But we're starting to see this sort of age where companies are really trying to reduce the amount of plastic they use or the, you know, a lot of the articles I read were talking about initiatives where companies are tracking the amount of printing that employees are doing and an effort to cut down on the amount of paper that's used. And so it's not unheard of that there are companies taking these initiatives to reduce the amount of environmental impact that they do have. But this is certainly one of the more wide reaching efforts that's being made. And I think also one that has more of a direct implication on the lives of the employees that are working there. It's not just as a company, we're switching over to paper straws and that's just what you have now. It's a company sort of determining what their employees are going to eat, I suppose. I have a, I have a clarification question, Andy. Yes, Paul. Do you know the muffin man? Now, do you know if, when it says the 6,000 or so employees the, of the company, is that talking about the people that are like the tenants that are coming in and using their space and working? Or is that the people that are running the facilities? From what I can discern, it's talking about the people that work for the company. It's not the people that come in and use their facilities. Okay. So I did, I did find this article from July 16th from the Washington Post that says, WeWork takes the green workplace to a new level. It talks a little bit more about the logistics, so I'll read that real quick. How exactly the policy would be enforced is unclear. Gwen Rock, Rocco, Rocco, you go, you go Glenn Rocco, um, <laughs> senior director of corporate communications at WeWork, said in an email that while the meat-free initiative does extend to expenses, the company would not comment further about how it would distinguish between, say, meat and vegetarian dishes listed on a submitted restaurant receipt. WeWork's effort does not mean employees or members who work in its facilities cannot bring their own meat or that members can't serve meat at their own events. The effort only applies to food purchased with WeWork money and fish is not included in its initiative. So that seems that seems curious. to say it says employees or members who work in the facility. So it is talking about the people that are coming in, I think. Well, it's I'm assuming that this company is not purchasing food for the members of this thing. Like you I mean, like what exactly are you asking about the members? Like if if they're not allowed to be eating meat in the facility. Well, I just read that they're allowed to bring meat into the facility. <laughs> <laughs> so then you answered my question. Yes, I did answer your question, so we could probably edit that out. <laughs> but no, 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 because because I guess when is this even then a thing? Like what what exactly are they even banning then? Like the cuz I'm just thinking about when I was like a teacher, which is obviously different than what we work is doing, but yes, there would be occasions when food would be served, but it's not like an everyday thing or like yes, there would be a very rare occasions where we would go out as teachers and eat somewhere else that we wouldn't have to pay for, but that's happening so rarely. Like, is this, unless maybe, like, obviously this company could be working differently and maybe they have more events like that, 
but in a typical workplace, like how how often is there food that's being supplied by the workplace and not just brought by people? Well, from what I understand, they have like grab and go food that people can purchase on site. And so that will no longer be have any any meat aside from fish in it. Getting rid of those meat vending machines. Yeah. You know, where you just get a nice raw steak out of a vending machine and it just like falls with a little splat and you have to reach in and grab the thing. Gross. Yeah. I mean, this this certainly leads me to believe that there is a lot of company functions where, where meals happen and, and that they want people to be aware of the environmental impact of this whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm not meaning to sound like a Debbie Downer. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious as to how much this will affect like the day to day workplace and i hope i like i hope that that it is it was something that they had a lot of meat there and now they don't have a lot of meat because like i i think andy my my pre-discussion opinion i think that this is a good thing well there are some people who do not think that paul (laughs) more on those dissenting opinions shortly paul but (laughs) Something that I wanted to note that I thought was pretty interesting is that a lot of these articles, it's being painted as this move for environmental sustainability. And that's, you know, that says in the email, we're going to save this much many gallons of water and these CO2 emissions, all that stuff. But something that's often not included in discussions about the environment from like companies of this nature is that in that email, McKelvey says that it's going to save over 15 million animals by 2023. And then talking about that, the summer camp picnic thing, that they could save more than 10,000 animals. So there is actually a focus on the animal aspect as well. That's a component of why they're choosing to stop allowing people to pay for meat. Yeah, and in that, when he mentions that summer camp gathering, and the animals is the only thing he mentions like in the other in the other part of the article it's like this many gallons of water this much admission co2 emissions and this many animals and then later on it's just the animals so you're right andy that a lot of these other articles seem to solely be focusing on the environmental reasons but it seems like this person is is maybe even more interested in the animal aspect of it than the environmental aspect of it yeah which is I mean, to me, that's encouraging and that's that's promising. And, and I, I do appreciate that aspect of it. I was trying to find a full copy of this email and I was not able to get one. The CNN article said they obtained the full copy, but did not actually post the full copy. So maybe there is more. Maybe he does list the other, you know, the environmental benefits for the summer camp thing. But yeah, I, I think it's important to note that it seems like there are some some animal related reasons for this to happen. As far as people that are not happy about this, there's the final paragraph in that initial CNN article says the following. On one hand, given the altruistic motives expressed, it's a positive step to want to do something to improve the environment, said Cindy Shipani, who teaches business law at University of Michigan Ross School of Business. On the other hand, the company is cutting back on an employee benefit, and those employees who do not subscribe to a meat-free diet may become disgruntled. So we have a possibility of disgruntled employees. <laughs> disgruntled employees in a workplace? No, never, Did you, never heard Do of you those. view this as cutting back on a benefit? That's, that's, I feel like that's a really weird way of phrasing this, because it definitely doesn't feel that way to me. I, I Andy, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I don't know how to... 
properly phrase how I'm feeling right now. I just feel like it's not because I what I want to say is it's only a benefit if you see like eating meat as something that that you deserve to be given, which obviously I think a lot of people in that situation would see that that aren't as this person puts it that don't subscribe to a meat free diet. So like maybe they do see that as something that they deserve, but I, I can't imagine that that's how all the employees would feel. It's like, I like, I deserve this company to give me this meat, this, this company that has nothing to do with meat, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because I think honestly, the biggest issue probably arises with the whole eating out aspect like if someone's traveling and they need their meals reimbursed or they're taking their like a client out to dinner or something. Yeah. Uh, like to me, that's probably where this policy poses the most issues. But as far as the company supplying vegan food in their little, you know, vending machine things or at these company picnics are, are in previous events like this, where the company supplied the food for the people, are they not already forcing something on the employees they have decided you're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers instead of subway sandwiches or chipotle burritos they're forcing that upon someone already but now all of a sudden now there's an ethical component or an environmental component to it then people get up in arms like people didn't care about freedom of choice before i don't know maybe some people did maybe some people were pissed off they didn't get a chipotle burrito (laughs) but for the most part i bet no one really cared they're like this is the food our company is giving us and maybe it's good maybe it's not but it's just a part of the deal of working for this company that we're getting hot dogs and hamburgers at this company picnic and to me it's just like when people say that vegan parents are forcing their lifestyle on a on a baby like literally whatever you give that child is being forced upon them and that's your job as a parent is to keep them alive so if this company is providing food that tastes good and provides all the nutrients that people would need to make it through this picnic for a day then or three days it's like a week-long long thing then i don't see what the problem is i don't see how it's being forced upon anyone any more than what they had previously been giving people but andy couldn't a naysayer of this respond to that what you just said by saying what like wow you're absolutely right they are forcing us they were already forcing us they should be giving us more choice than this like they like couldn't someone use that argument to go in the opposite direction to say we should have more access to more things including meat options someone could but what what's the limit on that you know (laughs) human meat (laughs) like do they need five options, 10 options. Do they need to just let employees call any restaurant they want to have food delivered and they have to cover it and that way everyone gets to choose exactly what they want? It it seems like a ridiculous notion that people get that upset about it. Well, they could say like, what we should have is we should always put it up to a vote. You know, like we're voting like today we want Subway because we all voted for Subway type thing. But what if 40% or, you know, what if 60% of the people vote for Subway and that leaves the 40 people that don't want Subway being forced to eat Subway just because a majority voted for Subway? You're not wrong, but I think that that the the democratic process of that, if someone was truly upset about being, you know, forced to to eat these things, I think that would be more appealing to them than than what that person would consider further restrictions on what they could eat. Yeah. Yeah. 
perhaps. I think people just view it as a restriction because people think of veganism as restrictive or vegetarianism as restrictive. But to me, my mindset is veganism is no more restrictive than me saying that choosing not to murder someone limits my like activity options for the afternoon. It's just like <laughs> ethically not an okay thing to do. So I don't view it as like, yeah, my, my I'm restricted. I'm restricted because uh, not that I drink, but you know, I can't go drunk driving because that's illegal and I might kill someone like, uh, I feel so restricted with what I can do with my evening. You know, like there are things that are ethically un okay to do. Un okay. That's like the most light handed way to say that light handed. It's not a word either. Uh, you know, it's like, there are things that is ethically not good for us to do, and I don't think that as a society we should look at that as a restriction. We should look at it as like our moral obligation uh, as what we're supposed to do with ourselves to be a part of a society. <laughs> Andy, I agree with you. I'm just, I'm just trying to think about what someone that doesn't agree with you might come back and, and say, you know? Well, I think I have a really good example of that, Paul. Lay it on me. Okay, I found this article from Slate on July 13th, which is titled, All the Problems with WeWork's Tyrannical New No-Meat Policy. I wonder what their position is on this. <laughs> well, they start out by calling it a draconian new meal policy. So, <laughs> yeah, this article is full of little asides that definitely lets you know that this person has an extreme bias. So this person kind of lays out what their objections are. And the first one is that... WeWork has 406 locations in 76 cities. I had no idea. I had no idea this company existed. Me either. And they are huge. And that accounts for 10 million square feet of real estate. And so essentially just sort of talks about how environmentally impactful having that much real estate is and how the building could opt for LEED certified buildings, which are way more environmentally sustainable. And, but they don't in all of their buildings. And so essentially this article makes, makes the, the assertion several times that we'll look at all these other things that they could do that would actually have an impact and not this whole like meat thing. Mm -hmm. And it, I don't know. What do you think of that argument? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's ridiculous to say you can't do everything. So why do anything like that? That's almost the type of argument that they're, that they're making. Yeah, and I feel like this person also hasn't looked at exactly how horrible animal flesh production is for the environment. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. kind of like, well, they could get rid of certain plastics, and that would be better. And I don't know, it, it is curious to me that they don't ban fish. So are they just going to serve fish at these company functions? Is there going to be sushi? And everything that we read in the, the Bloomberg article last week about the how the fishing nets account for 46% of the plastic in the ocean and other types of fishing gear account for most of the rest of it, it seems odd that they would ban, you know, not ban fish. Maybe they just don't know. Yeah. We got to let them know, Andy. I guess so. So then, then this author says... They could be doing all of this other stuff, but they're not. And now employees just have to start worrying about taking clients out to lunch and the client ordering meat. And now all of a sudden they have to pay for it. And, and that's like this huge burden. Well, actually, that, that, that does bring up a, a, a question. Would the, the person have to pay for Would the employee have to pay for that then? Because I do think that that, that situation would be kind of weird. Like if you take a client out, you kind of expect like this is you're on the job right now. This is your job paying for this. And 
I don't think the employee would be in the position to say to the potential client, like, you have to order this. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's going to be exceptions made for something like that, because I like I said earlier, I think that this is the area where we run into the most complications, logistically speaking, Mm -hmm. about how do they enforce this? How do they balance the interests of the company? And as I know, we're going to talk about a little bit later, maybe the people that they're trying to attract will be people that 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 appeals to them and that they know that that's part of the deal, that they could only go to a vegan restaurant or only order a vegan meal when they when they go out. Like maybe they're trying to make that a part of their brand. And actually, on that note, Andy, I found I found another article from Bloomberg dot com that was basically putting that idea forward that that it was like. Our, it was called WeWork's Meat Band Tells Us Who They Are from July 17th. And it was kind of going into like, yeah, this is cool that they're doing this for the environment, but are, are they also doing this because they are trying to create this brand for themselves and they're trying to subscribe to this like tribe mentality where you kind of create this this culture of the values that you that you have, that your company has, and then it kind of attracts other people who also subscribe to the tribe subscribe to the tribe and it was basically saying like yeah even though there might be these logistical nightmares like the the benefit that the company could gain from doing from something like this might add to that and and it creates this or might outweigh that and it sort of creates this this kind of mystique as they call it for the company it makes them different from other people it sets them apart so i i hope Andy, that that is not the reason that they're doing this, but it certainly is a possibility, I'd say. I would imagine that it's a calculated risk that they're taking. The optimist in me, Paul, is saying that, of course, this this co-founder, was Miguel, is does have these altruistic motivations behind it. But I also think that maybe if this person was vegan 30 years ago and had this company 30 years ago, they would not feel empowered to make this type of policy at that point. But they know that the public climate is is one that realizes that meat consumption is horrible for the environment, and obviously it's bad for the animals, of course, and that people are drinking more almond milk and people are eating more veggie burgers and, and all of these things. So, so I think that, like, yes, I think that they realize that's probably a benefit, that this is going to set them apart, this is going to attract certain people to their culture, but I think they also know that there's probably going to be a lot of employees that are pissed about it and do feel like that their freedom of choice is being restricted. So I think that while it is going to, in the long term, be really good for their brand, I think there's going to be some shorter term growing pains that I don't think a company would want to put themselves through unless someone or some ones at the top are already really invested in the ethical reasons for making this policy and this decision. I agree. I'm, I'm going to choose to be optimistic with you, Andy. Cause you know, I think that like, uh, you know, Budweiser sponsoring pride parades or something. I think that's a calculated move on their part. They know that it's going to make them look good. And I'm sure some of the people there are, are pro, you know, LGBTQ plus, but in general, you're like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have made this decision 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it might be. And it just, it feels very cynical. It feels like they're trying to cash in on something that Mm -hmm. is obviously there's tons of, of homophobic people out there. And there's uh, a lot of public policy that's, that's not great in that regard. But in general, 
it's a good PR move to support progressive causes. And I think that they know that. And I think that this cause is like the, the, um, the no meat cause is gaining popularity, but I don't think it's at a point where it's sort of like an obvious no brainer that you should do this. I, I think in 50 years, we probably will see Budweiser sponsoring veg fests or something like that, you know, <laughs> but I don't think that it's at a point right now where it's an obvious cash grab for them. I think it's something that, that the, the people at the top think is the right thing to do, think will actually cause a good environmental impact. And they're trying to set an example for other companies to start to adopt these policies. Like they probably want to show other companies you can do this. This is okay. This is within your legal right to do, and you should do this. Andy, do you think we are, are we at the, 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 is the wave of veganism beginning to, to crest right now? Because I feel like in these last few weeks, we've been seeing like scattered all over the place, these examples of not necessarily full veganism, but animal related issues kind of, in either laws or companies, it almost seems like from my perspective, obviously I'm not uh, super knowledgeable about this specific area, but it almost seems like there's been a rise in like institutional veganism as I'll call it. Yeah. I think that's a good term for it. I don't think we're quite there. I don't think the wave is starting to crest, but I think the wave is building up now. Now, obviously we're in our bubble. We're, we're digging for news every week. We're trying to find things to talk about. So we might just be in a position to find more positive news, but I think that the, to continue with your metaphor, the tide is turning and <laughs> I think that the wave is building, but I think we're probably still a little, little while away from feeling like it's really starting to crest and that it's going to crash down and see like tons of meaningful society wide change. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So I did want to read a little bit more from that, that slate article that I brought up all the problems with WeWork's tyrannical new meat policy. Mm-hmm. So, this article says internally WeWork's policy is pretty incoherent. It bans lamb, for instance, and it bans chicken, but it doesn't ban eggs. Eggs cause just as much environmental damage as chickens do and much less than lamb does. It's hard to see much environmental logic in a policy that's fine with factory farm salmon, but forbids people from eating pigeon. Can I stop you there, Andy? Please. I, I feel like this this person because i do not disagree with them i don't disagree that there is like if they are doing this for the environmental reasons there is that hypocritical nature of this but i feel like this author their conclusion would be hey there's this hypocrisy so they shouldn't do any of this at all versus my conclusion which is hey there's this hypocrisy so yeah they should also ban eggs as well and i feel like I don't know. I just don't feel like the the from the tone of the author from when I believe they're trying to the, the point they're trying to make. It's just again, like we said, I think we said it earlier. It's just like not a very strong argument to say like they're not doing everything. So they should be doing nothing instead of they're not doing everything. So they should continue to try to push to do better. Yes, definitely. My theory, Paul, is that I bet the the co-founder of this company would love to have implemented a vegan policy, but feels like that would be too much and that this is a good first step. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I think that 
already they'd probably know that it's going to be seen as fairly radical by a lot of people as we've seen evidence of and a lot of employees are not going to be super happy with it but i think that they're probably taking a foot in the door approach agreed all right let me uh, finish reading out the the end of this article this is how it concludes it's arrogant paternalism of the highest order for a billionaire american co-founder one whose own personal carbon footprint is surely in the top 0.1% of global citizens to impose his own preferred environmental solution on thousands of employees who are probably doing much better than he was on that front all along. And then makes a note that McKelvey is building a multi-million dollar mountaintop house in Utah. So I'm sure that's not great for the environment. WeWork's policy, then, is not really about environmental impact. There would be much easier and more effective ways of reducing the company's carbon footprint. And while the policy will surely save a certain amount of money, I doubt that's the driving motivation either. Instead, this is a case study in virtue signaling. Call it performative vegetarianism. This policy that will gain McKelvey plaudits and social status among the woke billionaires of Powder Mountain at the cost of massive HR headaches and generalized employee resentment in the kind of places he doesn't particularly care about. Scorching. I, I feel like when this author says to impose his own preferred environmental solution, it's like this is the environmental solution put forward by, you know, like the top scientists. It's not hit. It is. It's, it's they're making it. The author's making it seem like it's like he came up with this 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 thing that like, do we even know if this is proven, if it will help out? It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is like what most people agree is the solution. Doesn't he know they voted on it at the science convention? <laughs> but I, I mean, again, again, it's like you're I don't I don't like I don't like it. Any, I don't like the way that this author is arguing their point because it's like they just keep saying, look at all these other ways that he's doing bad things and like yeah like you're not wrong about the house i'm sure that's having a terrible environmental impact but that doesn't stop people from like that shouldn't stop people from wanting to do more yeah and i think that it is a fair point i think about the the fact that this billionaire is in probably in the top 0.1 percent of global citizens carbon footprint you know, it makes me think about the episode that we did that was about whether vegans should be in favor of population control because of resource usage and how we looked into that and found that, you know, it's really the wealthiest among us that have the the greatest environmental impact. And, and globally, that does include a good portion, a good majority of the people in the U.S., even if we're not, even if we're lower or middle class. But obviously, the billionaires at, at the top of the food chain there are having the most impact. So, so this is not an invalid point, but it doesn't invalidate the actions that, that McKelvey is taking for this company. Yeah. Like, like think about the potential, like I said, what if this does set an example for other organizations to do this, to do this thing that, as you just pointed out, Paul is the preferred solution from a number of scientists that is like, <laughs> even if it's not the only solution, it's a huge piece of the puzzle. It's definitely the, the trend that's that the future is going to bring to us either by choice or by necessity at some point. So it seems like the author is sort of willfully ignoring that. Yes, this is actually a really important thing to do. 
And yeah, sure, there are other things that this company could do. Uh, you know, some of the articles I read mentioned that WeWorks is ha- announced that they're working on a zero waste policy. So it's so it's not like this is the only thing that they're trying to do. It's just an additional thing that they're trying to do. If they can at some point implement a vegan zero waste situation for their company for their their picnics that they do and the working environments that seems like it's amazing yeah doesn't this author know that arnold schwarzenegger also endorsed this this environmental help plan (laughs) yeah apparently not apparently not paul (laughs) and the last thing i'll say about this article i I feel like it's i don't know it's it's a i feel like the article is trying to appeal to like oh it's going to be such a pain for hr and it's going to be such a pain for the like the employees are going to resent them like i don't i don't i don't get the sense from the tone of this article it's like i don't get the sense that this author actually cares about how much of a pain it's going to be to hr it's like it's like i think they're just trying to make excuses because they don't agree with the general premise yeah and and so andy on this topic of dissenters from this this meat ban i also was like looking around the internet trying to find other opposition to it and just from like doing some google searches i I kept like i was looking at who was putting out them and i saw like breitbart put out an article about this and i was like here we go here's here's the opposition (laughs) surprisingly a very unopinionated article it basically just stated stated what 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 happened and I was like, oh, I thought for sure I was going to get some good there. I did but not did venture into the comments. I was about to say, I was about to say, I like started scrolling down to them, and then I was like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get anything <laughs> worthwhile here. So I exited out of that. But then I found a Fox News article that, that again, it wasn't like it wasn't the most, it wasn't as strongly opinionated as I thought it was going to be. But it was basically saying, so this is from July 17th. It was basically saying there is a mixed reaction to what is to to we work imposing this this ban and so just reading a little bit from the article it says reactions on twitter have been mixed with many people praising the company for taking a step towards saving the environment while others compared the decision to that of hobby lobby refusing to provide birth control to its employees and then it, it include it included a bunch of different quotes on twitter i'm not going to read them all you can go check them out on the website but like some people were saying if you're a company and have the opportunity to save money while bringing awareness to a big issue like meat consumption, do it and use the money you save towards something helpful. Would like to see other companies join WeWork. Another comment said, Jesus, who would want to work for these monsters? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely a different reaction. And then the one that I think was the most interesting, they kind of referenced this in the article. It says, someone said on Twitter, it's exactly like Hobby Lobby. Both companies don't believe in being forced to spend their own money on things they see as provably harmful and wrong that aren't required to be healthy and alive. There's no logic that justifies WeWork that doesn't also justify Hobby Lobby. So I thought that that one was kind of interesting as a way, as like a, I think, as a stronger logical argument against something like this that like if someone said this to me i would be like oh that's a like that's a hard one to i to have a quick comeback to andy do you know how you would respond to something like that 
So I don't know all of the ins and outs of, of the Hobby Lobby situation necessarily, but I feel like they're not really comparable. I think that we must have addressed this at some point, but when people compare abortion to going vegan or saying that it's, you know, you're killing a baby, you're killing an animal, they're both wrong. But the way that I personally view it is that the abortion is a solution to a problem and going vegan is a solution to a problem. And I don't mean to callously refer to a child as a problem, but, you know, I I think I view it as cruel to bring a a child into this world that is not going to be brought into a situation where they are loved and able to be taken care of. And so it's like, it's an altruistic thing to do. And so, Hobby Lobby is trying to deny the welfare of their their employees, whereas we work not doing this. I mean, you know, we're not big on the whole health angle necessarily, but they could argue that it's it's like a healthier thing to do. But it is certainly a healthier thing to do for the planet and for the animals like it's 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 only has altruistic benefits. And so I think that the two are not comparable. Nice. That is that is a great response, Andy. <laughs> because, I, like, I was like, I, I don't think if if someone just like said that to me off the cuff, I don't think I would have been able to have such an eloquent response as that. Yeah, off, I mean, off don't, the top of the don't dome. let anyone tell you that like abortion and birth control is the same thing as someone going vegan. Like, you can have that conversation, but don't concede to their general point. Yeah, I feel you. I feel it. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for yeah. But me it, on I think it is interesting because we are going to encounter arguments like that, where people are saying essentially this is something being forced upon others because you have some ethical view, and and how how do we deal with that? Like, is is that actually an accurate assessment of the whole thing? And I don't know. Like, is this? any meaningfully different than a company say they're going to ban allowing plastic straws in their workplace. Well, I, it it becomes difficult to me because I almost think the, the quote, not that, not that obviously people are going to be opposed to this thing or anything related to anything sort of vegan being imposed by a company, but I don't want to call this like the easy way out, but I feel like you can, you can turn to the environmental aspects, the environmental benefits that you would get from something like this. And those are hard without making like, it's hard to argue against those things without seeming like a real, a real jerko is mm-hmm. being like, no, I like, I want to do keep this thing that's damaging to the environment. Like, because even though many people, myself included are doing things that are detrimental to the environment saving the environment is such like a a thing that i think is generally seen as good so when someone's trying to argue against something that could be beneficial to the environment i think it's easy it's an easy argument back to say well this is better for the environment so like why shouldn't we do this thing but i don't i almost don't want to do that because i like i do want to still get the animal messaging across but it's tough knowing that that's going to be so much less digestible to most people pun intended that if you use like the if you if you start bringing the animal ethics into that even though that's what i want people to get out of this isn't almost better to leave some of those animal ethics out of this, knowing that you're going to get this company and maybe other companies to do this thing that will help the animals, even if it doesn't, uh, on its surface level, even if it doesn't help change people's minds about these things, you are going to get people eating less animal products. So is that okay? Is it okay to, to 
exclude the animal conversation or or push down maybe the animal conversation in favor of the environmental conversation in this scenario? I like the way that this company email sort of phrased everything, which was environment, environment, environment. Also, we will save this many animals. I, I think that it's nice to sort of tag it on like that. I think that that's an effective way to make sure the animals aren't lost in the whole equation, but to still put all this environmental stuff in. So someone will feel like a jerk if they oppose it. Yeah, no, I agree. Like in this case, I think that is an example of, I don't know what this CEO thinks. I just did a quick Google search. I typed in his name and then vegan afterwards to try and find something. He has a Wikipedia page, but there was nothing about it on there. Like, I don't know if he's vegan. I don't know if animals are his main thing, but if this were me and I was making that statement, it would definitely be me kind of putting the animal issues on slightly on the back burner and then putting the environmental issues in the forefront mm-hmm. to, to use two different <laughs> metaphors for that. But like the front burner, the front burner. Yeah. I like in this situation, I do think that that's okay. And, and like you said, Andy, it's still good that the animals, they are still getting mentioned because I think we would both have, even though we would both think this is a good thing, I think we would have more of an issue with it if the animals were not mentioned at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can definitely agree with that. So Paul, this, this conversation has me thinking back to the, the one we recently had about the Lone Star tick, where if it, this tick bit someone, they would get an allergy to, to mammals. So they wouldn't be able to eat cow flesh or pig flesh. Apparently they would not be able to drink cow's milk either. And sort of this overall conversation of compulsory veganism versus choice. And like, do we want the world to go vegan just because they have to, or do we want to have a world where people are choosing to go vegan and therefore are maybe considered because the dietary component is a huge part of it, of course, but it's not the only part of it. And someone that's bit by this tick will probably still buy leather belts unless all of a sudden they get allergy to, to leather or something <laughs> like that. But I don't know. Like, like, what are your th- thoughts on that right now? Like, is it okay that these companies are, I don't know, this, they're not even forcing anyone to go vegan. They're just saying if you're at a company picnic, you're going to have a veggie dog. Here's what I think, Andy. I think that this, I'm going to not answer your question because I think that this situation is not analogous to the Lone Star Tick situation. I think you can make more of a direct comparison to the discussion we had about should a vegan company organization only hire vegans? Uh-huh. And because I think in that discussion that we had, we talked about how it's like even if you hired a non-vegan, you would still only be you would only be serving vegan stuff like at company events, or maybe you can even say you can only eat vegan inside of the building like the company building which would be going further than what we work is doing because they're still allowed to bring in meat into the into their the, the like the company premise mm-hmm. premises premises whatever the word i'm looking for is so i think that in that in that discussion that we had about that if i remember correctly which is <laughs> unlikely i think that we had said like even even though this person is not being even though this person is not necessarily vegan 
like one, they're, they're going to be eating more vegan stuff just because that's what's available to them when they're working. But then also I feel like it, it, especially if it's someone that's not necessarily as inclined to be vegan, it's like, they're going to be pushed more to be vegan just by the fact that they are surrounded by this vegan food. Like it's like they're integrating it as part of their lifestyle, which Mm -hmm. I think is the difficult thing for most people to do anyways, or it's a difficult thing for most people to do when they're trying to transition to eating more vegan is to change their lifestyle. But if like you have this just daily part of your routine where it's like, Oh, I'm only eating vegan stuff during this part of the day, it's going to be a lot easier to make that transition. So I don't remember what the question you asked was, but I do think that it is like, I I do think that it's going to be constructive in pushing people to either reduce their meat intake, even outside of the workplace or even to consider going vegan because of, because they're just, it's more a part of their daily routines. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty solid conclusion to reach. Um, my question was about <laughs> compulsory veganism versus like choice. I think that I think that this the WeWork is not an example of compulsory veganism because like this person, these people, these employees, they have the uh, like and this is not getting into the conversation about how difficult it is to be to find employment, but they're not forced to work here. So it's like they could just quit and work and hopefully find a job somewhere else. And they, and on top of that, they still have the choice about what they're going to eat when they're not at work. So it's like, they do still have choice. So I would say this is not an example of like the Lone Star take of compulsory veganism, but I will reiterate that I do think that it is probably going to, encourage people to eat less meat even when they're and even when they do have the choice which is a good thing i think yeah i I certainly hope so and i guess the the last thing that i wanted to bring up is just sort of the issue of accessibility i think that maybe this could be one of the potential downsides of the whole thing uh we have not mentioned it up until this point but in a few articles, it was mentioned that there would be exceptions made for those that have medical reasons that they have to consume meat or if they have religious reasons that they have to consume meat. The religious aspect of it is kind of interesting because I don't believe there's any religion that mandates anyone must consume meat. So mm-hmm. it'll be I'll be curious to see how that all really plays out. But maybe it's just something that they felt like they had to just sort of throw that in there to avoid people sort of losing their minds over like well, what about religious freedom or something like that but yeah, but yeah. i do think the fact that they're like listen there might be some instances in which we do need to serve you know animal flesh and so i'm i'm glad that they're they're making those exceptions i think that as far as like i said the hardest part would be the eating out like what if someone is on a business trip and they are somewhere where there is not a good solid vegan option at a restaurant i know that that's fewer and far between these days in the united states but uh it's still possible and so what if someone is an employee that doesn't have enough extra cash to just sort of pay for their own meals on this company mandated trip and now all of a sudden they can't find a good vegan meal, a nice filling, tasty vegan meal, and they have to resort to French fries and a side salad or something like that. And it's not going to nourish them. It's not going to get them through the day. It's not going to encourage them to be the best employee that they can be. I think that that is an issue. And maybe that maybe they would want to allow 
some you know extenuating circumstance clause for things like that where like if you just can't find something but then but then will employees just say that no matter where they go and then the hr person has to sit down and be like let me google the vegan options in this town i don't know (laughs) but what what do you think i i think that this is like a billionaire guy i think that that's running a very uh, apparently a very successful company I think that he's paying people to figure out this how to how to tackle this issue, this exact issue, because I would be very surprised if this isn't something that they thought of when they're when they were thinking about how are we going to implement this. And and if they haven't already figured out a solution to this, I bet you they are working on it because because you're right. I I think that it is there are all it's impossible to account for every situation you might face, especially in a situation like this where you have a company that has, I think, locations all over the world and you don't necessarily know what area you are going to be eating at. So I I, I, I bet you they're working on it. Yeah, I'd imagine we're going to hear a little bit more about the logistics of enforcing this down the line, especially now that it's gotten so much public scrutiny. Yeah, yeah, there's so many articles saying, like, how are they going to implement this? So you're right. I I do think that they're going to come out with something about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we're going to end the conversation today. But obviously, if you have any thoughts, opinions, or questions about it, feel free to send us over an email at thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on our Facebook page or Instagram page, just The Bearded Vegans, or just go over to thebeardedvegans.com. Check out that website. And Andy, what do you have coming up in the near future? Paul, both both you and I have a pretty busy weekend coming up. I will be, mm-hmm. as I stated at the beginning of the show, at the VegFest Colorado in Broomfield, Colorado, July 28th and 29th. We'll be speaking on the 29th at 2.20 p.m. with J.L. Fields and Jenny Messina. And July 29th, Paul, you're going to be at the Jimmy Jam at the Skylands Animal Sanctuary in Wantage, New Jersey. Wantage, I still have no idea how to pronounce the name of that town. But you still give a pause every time after saying it because you know I'm going to repeat the words Jimmy Jam because they're so fun to say. (laughs) It's so fun to say. You can soak it up now. And then the weekend after that, August 4th, I'll be at the Pittsburgh Veg Fest. August 5th, the WNY Veg Fest in Buffalo, New York. August 18th and 19th, I'll be at the Triangle Veg Fest. And I'll be speaking there, I believe, on the 18th. Uh, again with JL Fields doing our food and body shaming panel. August 26th, I'll be at the Vegan Pop-Up in Asbury Park, New Jersey. So a whole lot of events coming up. I got a bunch of stuff all the way through November that's announced on the website. So any of those events, you can find Paul or I behind the Compassion Company table. So just look for the vegan shirts and the bright green tablecloth. And if you want all those dates, deeds, and links for the ones I listed and anything else in the future, just go to CompassionCo.com. Very nice. Well, Paul, I was actually, while I was reading, I was multitasking and Googling, and I finally found a copy of that email, the company-wide email that WeWork sent out from Miguel McKelvey. And the thing that really kind of is is intriguing to me is the way that Miguel signs his letters. Uh, I'm wondering if this is like a new thing or if he's been doing it for a while, but he signs it with the following seven words. We are the Bearded Vegans, signing off. Andal's Andal. <laughs> That's not you. <laughs>
who listened to last week's mailbag episode. Nope, that's two weeks ago. So this first, we got a lot of, Andy. (laughs) 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 Oh, God, you're getting me sick (coughs) over Skype. And so this first, and so this first, and so this first bit of news Oh, I already said all this. Okay, whatever. I'll start over. And so this first bit of news. Whereas, following the United States withdrawal from the... Oh, God. Just just went away. There we go. Here we go. We're back. All right. So this is uh, coming to us from Plant-Based News on July 17th. The AC just kicked on. The Atlantic City. The Atlantic City. Hold on, I'm gonna see if I can turn it off real quick. Okay. Got it. Cool. Shut that fucker down. <laughs> or they're taking a client out to the dinner. Out to the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> this is because they don't agree with the general premise. Yeah. I gotta pee real bad. I'll be right back. All right, I'm gonna get a drink. I'll okay. be right back too. That's Skyland's Animal Sanctuary in Wantage, New York. New Jersey. I keep saying that. And 